storm grew near. I prayed for God to speak the words to make it disappear. It seemed the waves would not obey the Master's call for peace. But then the Lord spoke to my soul, reminded me He had control, and said, this time His words were meant for me. Sometimes He calms the storm, sometimes He calms me. Sometimes the storm still rages on, but I feel sweetest peace. It's such a joy to know that my Lord knows just what I need. Sometimes He calms the storm, sometimes He calms me. Circumstance may overtake and bring me But when I feel I cannot cope with this life's troubled seas, I call on Him whose voice can still much greater storms than these. His words bring peace into my soul. When He says, child, I'm in control, and with one touch He calms the storm in me. Sometimes He calms me. Sometimes the storm still rages on, but I feel the sweetest peace. It's such a joy to know that my Lord knows just what I need. Sometimes He calms the storm. Sometimes He calms me. It's such a joy to know that my Lord knows just what I need. Sometimes He calms the storm, sometimes He calms me. Joshua chapter 3 this morning. Wasn't that beautiful? Beautiful words. Thank you for that. <clears throat> it's good to be in the Lord's house. It's good to be saved today, isn't it? Good to be saved. I uh, do want to share a few things as you're turning there. Uh, next Sunday is Camo Sunday, and I want to explain what that's designed for. Uh, that is designed for you to come from the deer leases and the hunting camps. Bring your friends with you. One of the most surprising things is one of the best attended services of the year is normally the first day of rifle season. A lot of people don't understand that, but we encourage our members to grab people in their deer leases and bring them on. 
We're going to be here and we're going to give them Jesus. Amen? We're going to come, we're going to worship, so y'all be here for this. Uh, as y'all know, this position of our youth associate is still open. And uh, we have called this week Brother Hayden Wilkes. Brother Hayden filled in for me about a month ago. And uh, Brother Hayden has agreed to come in view. We've also called a young man by the name of Brian Kelly. Brother Brian will be here on November 26th. Y'all go ahead and write this down. November 26th, the last Sunday of November, he will be here. December the 3rd, Brother Hayden will be here. Brother Hayden will not be here for the morning service, only the evening service. I told him we've heard him preach, and he has nothing else to prove to us in the preaching part. So, But he's going to preach that evening. We're going to question him. Uh, these men are busy filling in, preaching. They're preaching all over the place. If we didn't get them at this time, it would be in January. So I got what they had. And uh, so y'all be here, but most of all, let's pray about this. We want God's man. Amen. I don't want this to be, you know, well, I like him or I like that. This isn't a popularity contest. We need God's man. So y'all consider this in prayer. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, Joshua chapter three and in verse one, Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim to come to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way hitherto.fore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for this particular passage that we read. Your people struggling to go a little further with you. Your people struggling to step out of the box. Your people struggling to go to a land that they've never been before. And God, I know and I believe that you want to do great things in us and through us. But Lord, you can never do those things until we submit ourselves to your leadership. And Lord, there's a lot of places that we've never been before. But Lord, we want you to take us there. And we want you to do great things in our lives and in our midst. But Lord, we understand that we're going to have to submit ourselves to you. Lord, convict our hearts this morning. May we use these scriptures to mold us and to make us into the vessels that would bring you honor and glory. Give me help to preach your word. Lord, I understand these people don't need to hear from me, but we need to hear from you. And Lord, I pray I'd step out of your way and let your Holy Spirit guide me. I love you. And oh, Lord, save a soul today. Lord, I pray you stir the hearts. Lord, I pray that we leave this place different than how we walked in it. I love you and I praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you on this subject, how to get to where you've never been before. I want you to look here at the end of verse 4. It said, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. You've never gone this way before. 
I want you to understand the nation of Israel is trying to get to a place that they've never been before. It has taken them 40 years to get out of the land of Egypt and get into the place of promise. This place of promise was a place where God would provide for them. He promised them that this would be a place of provision. He promised them that this would be a place filled with His presence. And He promised them that this would be a place filled with His power. He said, if you leave Egypt and you go through the wilderness, and if you would enter into the place of promise, I will give you everything you need. I will bless you. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. I will give you everything you need. But one thing that they had to do was step outside of the box and submit themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They were going to have to go through some places that they've never been before. They were going to have to do some things that they've never done before in order to get to the place that God was leading them. Now understand that I could preach this this morning, that Canaan land was a place that represented heaven. And I'm, it, it has that picture, it has its place, but I believe we'd be robbing ourselves of a blessing if we understood this today, that God didn't just call us to eternal life, but He called us to abundant life. The land of Israel for the nation of Israel was a place of promise for them in this life, not the next life understand that they went 40 years simply because of their disobedience to the Lord. They could have got there a lot quicker. They could have done more for God if they had just obeyed Him. He, they went through the judgment of God. They went through a lot of things simply because they wouldn't take that next step as following Jesus. And so they got all the way to the Jordan River and all they have to do now is cross the river. And that's where we find ourselves in this scripture here is all they have to do is take that leap of faith to take that step to get out in the water and wait out a little bit deeper for the Lord now I want you to understand that this can be compared to discipleship understand as God's people that Jesus Christ has saved our soul but He has not just called us to eternal life. He's called us to abundant life. May I tell you, Jesus is going to do great things with you in everlasting life. But He wants to do great things for you now. The only way that that can happen is you have to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Understand that in the Bible, the only people that were called Christians or the only ones that called them that was the world. Never do you find a Christian calling a Christian a Christian. It was always the outside world. In fact, there's only two places in the Bible that we find the term Christian and it's used by the Romans. And those Christians, that word Christian means one that denotes itself to Jesus. One who claims to be saved. One who claims to know the Lord. And may I tell you, there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of people who claim to be saved. There's a lot of people who have made professions of faith and have walked the aisle and have been baptized. There's lots of folks who claim to know Christ. But there's only a few disciples understand that Jesus went and He preached to multitudes. There was thousands. When it was time for the miracles, people came from all over. My Man, I'm telling you, when the loaves were there and the fishers were there, God blessed 5,000 people. But the next day, there wasn't 5,000 people. 
You see, when the supper was made and the miracles were there and the excitement was there, everybody was involved. But it was the daily grind of walking with Jesus that not everybody could handle. In fact, the Bible says there's only 12 men that committed themselves to walk with him daily. One of those men was a liar. <laughs> only 11 of those were true Christian men who were saved but gave themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. A disciple is simply means a follower of Jesus, one who walks in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. We find 70 disciples. We find 120 disciples. These are very low numbers compared to the multitude that heard the preaching of Jesus. There's a lot of people who get saved. There's a lot of people who accept Christ, but not many follow Him in their life. May I tell you, there's a lot that has run down the aisle and shouted, Jesus is my Savior, but not many is on their knees every day being a disciple of Jesus Christ. May I tell you, it's not good enough just to call Him Savior. May I tell you, it's a blessing to call Him Savior, but it's even a better blessing to call Him Lord, to call Him King, to be a disciple of Him, and we find ourselves, that's where Israel messed up so much in their life, is they failed to take that next step. Anybody can be saved, but not anybody says, okay, Jesus, every day I'm going to walk with you. I want you to hold your place there. Look with me in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, Jesus even talked about some of the things that we were going to have to do if we were going to be a follower of him. In Luke 14, in verse 26, I battled this verse when I was in Texas. We had a cult there. And this is how they would draw them away from their families. And I'm going to explain this verse. Jesus said in verse 26 of Luke 14, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. The word hate there is not the hate that we think of. In the Greek, this word means to love less. That cold out in Texas convinced these people that you literally have to hate your family in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I told them, I said, that goes against the word of God because God said, honor your father and your mother. God said, love them. I said, there's no way. But the word means to love less. Jesus is simply saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to, everybody else is going to have to take a back seat to me. If you're going to be a disciple, Jesus is going to have to be the preeminence of your life. Before your wife, before your husband, before your kids, before your family, before your job, before your hobbies. Hello? Before it all, Jesus must be number one. I want you to notice what he said, or he cannot be my disciple. Notice what he said in verse 27. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, we want to be a disciple of Jesus. And two things he said, you have to hate your father and mother. You have to love them less. You've got to put me number one, or you can't be my disciple. And you have to bear your cross and follow me, or you can't be your, my disciple. He's simply saying you must lose your life. You must put yourself away, not only putting your family away, but putting you away. You, do you understand where we struggle is not our family and it's not our community, it's us. 
And the battle that we have is we won't make Jesus Lord of my, our life because we want to be Lord of our life. And so many times we struggle because we cannot lose self. Notice what Jesus said in verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to, to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation, which is salvation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. He said, what if a man builds a tower and he only lays the foundation? And if you don't have the plan and understand the cost and count the cost of this tower when you begin this, this life, and if you only build the foundation, what are people going to say when they look at you and he claims to be saved but he's never lived for the Lord? How many funerals have we gone to of people that's never done anything for the Lord but they made a profession when they were seven years old? And I respect them, and I respect those professions. But Jesus said, what kind of man just lays the foundation and doesn't build on top of that foundation? May I tell you, we need to build on top of it. Notice what he said in verse 30, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. It's embarrassing to claim to know Christ and not to live for Him. Verse 31, or what king? Going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Wouldn't it be foolish if our leaders got in there and said, We're going to go to war? Wouldn't it be foolish if they got in there and didn't count the calls first? What, what, what am I liable to lose? What are we laying down? What's it going to cost us to win this war? And friend, when you get saved, you need to count the cost. What is it going to cost me to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm just going to be honest. It may cost you your addictions. It may cost you that alcohol. It's going to cost you that alcohol if you get it good enough. Amen. It's going to cost you those drugs. It's going to cost you that adultery. You're going to have to lay those things down if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What manner of king that goes to war that doesn't sit down first? So many times people run in and they get saved and oh, it's good, and then they're gone. You know why? Because they never counted the cost. And they didn't really want it as bad as they thought they wanted it. They wanted Jesus to save them, but they didn't want to live for Jesus. May I tell you, God's called us more than just to eternal life. He's called us to abundant life. He's called us to abundant life. I want you to look back in the passage of Scripture. How did they get to a place where they'd never been before? Number one, they watched the Lord. In verse number three, the Bible said, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. I love this. When you see the ark of the covenant, the ark of the covenant had two cherubims on top. And in this camp, this ark would sit in the center of the camp. And the presence of Jehovah would sit between the two cherubims on top of the ark of the covenant. And he said, if you're going to get to the other side, you're going to have to keep your eyes on the ark. If you're going to get to the other side, if you're going to get to a place where you've never been before, you're going to have to get your eyes on me. 
And I love where they put the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't put it on the outside of the camp. They didn't just put it out there on Sundays. They put it in the center of the camp. That way the presence of God would be in the center of their entirety of who they were. May I tell you something? That if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, He's going to have to be the center of our life. If we're going to get focused on Him and we're going to become a disciple, we've got to get our eyes on Jesus. And the only way to get our eyes on Jesus is to put Him slap dab in the middle of your life. That means He's got to come before hunting. He's got to come before fishing. He's got to come before ball. He's got to come before the family. He's got to come before the job. He's got to come before everything. If you're truly going to get your eyes locked on on Christ, all these false idols have got to go. And you've got to put him slap dab in the center. And you know why our eyes are not on him? Because he's not in the center of our life sometimes. Sometimes we live and we go about in this daily world and it, it happens to all of us, including me. We find ourselves in a place where his presence is not in the center of our life. He ought to be the center of our thoughts. He ought to be the center of our love. He ought to be the center of our grace. He ought to be the center of our unction. He ought to be the reason why we sing. He ought to be the reason why we shout. He ought to be the reason why we smile. He ought to be the reason why we exist. We don't exist just to work and die and pay taxes. Child of God, we exist to praise the King and to bring Him honor and glory. I get so tired of people saying, well, I'm just here to die and pay taxes. What a sad life. They've never met my Jesus before. May I tell you that Jesus needs to be the center of who we are. Man, I like when I talk to somebody and all they got to talk about is Jesus. I've heard people say, man, that's all they can talk about is that Bible stuff. Glory to God. If you get sold out enough, that's going to be who you are. And when it means that much to you, that's what you're going to talk about. And that's who you're going to invest in. Well, I ain't going to talk to him, that Bible thumper. That's all he talks about. Bless God. It ought to be the center of our conversation. It ought to be the center of our thoughts. It ought to be the center of your family. Your home, slap dab in the middle of your home, ought to be Christ and Him crucified. Oh, our homes need Jesus in them. Oh, the Hebrew writer said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I say this? I'm sick and tired of Christians. Oh, he's king of kings. No, he's my king of kings. Oh, he's Lord of lords. No, he's your Lord of lords. He's not just anybody's Alpha and Omega. Bless God, he's my beginning and my end. He doesn't just need to be this universal king and this universal savior. He needs to be personal to you. It needs to be real. Man, I'm telling you, if you're close with anybody, it ought to be Jesus. Oh, Jesus. This Christian term and this Christian thought of religion. My friend, it's more than religion. It's more than ritual. It's about having Jesus in the center of your life. And if you're ever going to be a disciple... You're going to have to put him number one. Slap dab. Man, I like that term. Slap dab. That's a good old redneck term. Slap dab right in the middle. Right in the middle of our heart. Right in the middle of our life. Jesus needs to be slap dab in the center of all that we are. 
Put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. And he will take you to where you've never been before. Put your eyes on Jesus and you're going to see things that you've never seen before. Put your eyes on Jesus and you're going to get to the experience of power that you've never felt before. You get your eyes set on Him and bless God, you better hold on. Get your eyes on Him. His Word. Every promise that He gave you, put your eyes on Him. Put your eyes on Him. We argue and we gripe about these policies and our government. We may not get this and we may get not may not get that. Who cares? Our eyes need to be on this. Our eyes need to be focused on God's word. Our eyes need to be focused on God's will. The only thing that should matter is what does God think? What does He want? And His way. That's the only thing that ought to matter. So we get our eyes on Jesus. You know, my prayer every day that I preach and every time that I get up, Jesus said, if you just lift me up, I'll draw all men unto me. My job is not to be fancy with my words. My job is simply to put him up on a pedestal that you might see Jesus. And if lost people would see Jesus, they'd get saved. And if saved people would keep their eyes on Jesus, they would follow Him every day of their life. They watched the Lord. But not only did they watch the Lord, but they followed the Lord. Notice verse 3. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And the priests and the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Number two, they followed the Lord. Before they could follow, they had to remove from their place. And may I tell you the number one reason of why we have not gone further with the Lord in our spiritual life is simply this. We have not removed from our place. In order to get to where God wants you to be, you've got to be willing to move. Baptists, let's just be honest. We don't like to move pews. <laughs> Hello? We really don't like to move pews. Much less step outside the box in our daily life. If we are going to be disciples of the Lord, we must be willing to remove from our place. That means to leave the old world behind. You cannot follow the Lord and run with that same group of people. You cannot follow the Lord and still live that lifestyle. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and look the same and act the same and talk the same. I'm telling you, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to quit cussing. Whoa, it got quiet. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to quit drinking. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to lose yourself in order to find it. May I tell you that anybody can be a Christian, but not everybody can be a disciple. Because the disciple is one who left a place to get to another. He went to the disciples and he said, Come unto me. You come unto me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible said that they straightway left their nets. They had to leave something. There's a lot of saved folks in our churches. But I wonder how many disciples that we really have. Willing to lay the nets down. Willing to make sacrifice. Willing to make a change. Willing to leave our old life. We need to be willing to lay the nets down. 
to follow him. Why did they need to follow him? Because they've never been here before. How do you go to a place you've never been before? You Google it. Ain't that right? You Google it. You get on your phone. I've never been to promised land before. Don't ever Google. Get to promised land because you will not get here. So it, it will tell you wrong. How do you get to somewhere you've never been before? You've got to follow somebody or something. I'm telling you, God's got great things in store for us. And if we're going to enter into that place, we must be willing to follow Him. If He leads you to the water, get your feet wet. If He leads you to the fire, you put on your boots. By George, if he, leaves, if he leads you to the other side of town, you jump in it head first. Wherever He leads you, you follow Him. You know why a lot of times we won't be a disciple? Because we simply don't want to go. We don't want to go. Brother Rob explained his battle with us. He knew, but he had to give in. I fought the same thing for years. Five years I fought. I didn't want to be removed. I didn't want to leave my comfortable place. But I had to in order to follow him. you got to let it go. And you got to be willing to follow the Lord. And number three, they honored the Lord. Notice verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 10,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. I love that. You've never been here before. But I want you to get behind the Ark of the Covenant. He said, I want there to be a space of 2,000 cubits. This is 3,000 foot. He said, you let it go before you. Let me tell you something. Jesus don't walk with us. Jesus leads us. Amen. You let it go before you. You don't need Jesus taking the wheel. You need him to drive the car. Okay. You need him to lead you. Let him go first. And you let him go through there. And they let the ark go. But they said you stay back. And you follow the Lord. And this staying back was a show of fear and reverence to the presence of God. They were scared that if they got too close to it, they may bump into it. Or they may get in the way. Or they may knock it off direction. Or they may do this or do that. In fact, there was lives lost when somebody touched this ark. You didn't just touch this ark. You showed the presence of God reverence and fear. And when they began to honor the Lord and fear the Lord, as a child of God ought to, they were able to follow the Lord. When they honored Him, you know why a lot of people never make that next step? Because they just don't fear Him enough. And they don't honor Him enough and respect Him enough. I'm going to be honest. For five years, I did what I wanted to do. And there's still days today that I mess up and I make mistakes. But I am scared not to follow Him. You, Oprah may say, that's unhealthy. I don't give a rip. I was scared not to listen to my daddy. He would thump me on the head. May I tell you, Heavenly Father will chasing you. And I'm scared not to follow the Lord. And I call it fear, call it reverence, call it honor, call it love, call it passion for Him. That's why we're to follow Him. Not go beside him, but let him get out front. Say, Lord, here it is. I'm with you 100%. 100%. I have bawled my eyes out for you, Brother Rob, the last few weeks. 
Because I know where you're coming from. It's scary. It's scary to go somewhere that we've never gone before. It's scary to do something that we've never done before. But August 17, 2004, I said, God, I don't ever want to come back here. I'm miserable. I don't want to be here no more. If you take me from this place, I'll never come back here again. And I've messed up and I've made mistakes. But sometimes I say, yes, Lord. And He has blessed my life. That's the promised land. That's the land flowing with milk and honey. Not when we just get to eternity, but right here when we get inside the will of God. When we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will honor you. Two years ago, y'all called me to come as pastor terrified me. Y'all heard the story. I throwing stuff, mad, everything else. Mad at God. And I said, Lacey, tell me what to do. And she said, uh-uh, I don't think so. She said, you need to get your heart right. what you need to do. And you need to find out what God wants us to do. And I knew what it was going to take. And it was going to take me moving past my wishes and my wants and my desires and saying, God, what's yours? And I had to humble myself. And I went to Darbone. And I spent two nights... And I prayed and I fasted. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep hardly. I was miserable. I was seeking the will of God. But when he finally got me to that place that I was empty inside, he filled me with his wisdom. He filled me with his will. When it quit becoming about me, it became more about him. And I never seen so clearly in all of my life. And I'm so thankful that I followed him. There's going to be times that I doubted. There's been times that I thought, oh boy. But may I tell you this. There's never been a better blessing than following Jesus. You'll never regret following the Lord. Notice verse 13 and we're done. And it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters. They come down from above, and they shall stand up upon a heap. The power of God is fixing to be seen. The power of God is fixing to be revealed, but they could not see it. They could not experience it until they stepped out in the water. You ever heard that old song the cathedral sang? Step into the water, wade out a little bit deeper. We need to wade out a little deeper. And you never know where you're going. You never know when you're going to get there until you step into the water. And when you step into the water, the power of God is going to be on your life. They stepped down there. They thought, how are we going to do it? What's going to happen? They just said, we're going to get in the water and we're going to find out. They got in the water and they seen the power of God. The water just... Shoo. He said, you just follow me and you wait and you watch. And you watch me work. Child of God, if you don't love Him, number one, you cannot be His disciple. If you don't lose yourself, you cannot be His disciple. If you don't count the cost, you cannot be His disciple. I am so thankful that people are getting saved around here left and right. But you know what would be a blessing? 
to see Christians become disciples. To have more than just Sunday morning goers. To have more than just pew fillers. To have more than just this robotic exercise on Sunday. But to live it out every day of our life. I'm so glad that Jesus wasn't hung up in the ritualism. And He wasn't hung up in the ceremony. He was hung up on us. <laughs> he could have called 12 legions of angels, but He couldn't because He was hung up on you. You could have been in the deer woods today, but you're so hung up on the Lord you had to come. You could have been anywhere, but you're so hung up on the Lord you just had to be there. I hope that's why you're here. <laughs> I wish that we could all be in that place that we're just so hung up on Him that we're not serving Him out of obligation. Not because I have to, but because I want to. And I get to. Oh, I'm so thankful that He was willing to lay His life down for me. Now what are you willing to do for Him? All He's saying is let go and let me take charge. And I'll lead you to where you've never been before. Lost person, you need to be saved today. I want to ask you to stand very quiet, very reverent.